0: And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Just who the hell are you? He's James T. Kirk. Don't you read history? What did you say your name was? Captain Jean Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one have we used to capture? Did we violate the treaty, Captain? Red alert! All hands! Battle stations! This is Captain Kirk. Can we just get down to it, please? Prepare to attack. All hands battle station. Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell.
1: Hello and welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday, the next generation edition, the 1701D... D... for... D... version. (laughs) (laughs) I am Tweedled... D... Honeywell and I'd like to introduce my partner Tweedled hello. Scott Gardner hello <laughs> how dignified <laughs> and we're here to tear off a piece of Picard era
2: <laughs> Star Trek a couple pieces actually oh my lord you can tell it's late and we're punchy 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 <laughs> we got uh we got some interesting bag this time around a yes, couple we do. of uh a couple of very very different episodes both uh in the same season so this this should be an interesting one cuz i'm wondering if you've seen uh either or both of these episodes before or neither of them before and uh, and what you think about them so
1: i think i might have seen times squared before
2: Oh, okay. But I have
1: not seen the royale before. The Royale. The <laughs> Whopper.
2: The Whopper. That's a Big Mac, isn't it? No, There's a Big the Mac is
1: Le Big Mac.
2: <laughs> okay. I think that's the one scene I've ever seen from that movie, by the way. Oh, oh that's a great movie. That. Yeah, I keep hearing that. And I know somewhere out there, somebody, Mike Bailey more than likely, is going, you've never seen blah, blah, blah? blah. No, I haven't. Shut up about it one of these days one of these days my problem is i can't get past damn john travolta he, that dude can't call his dog and make me believe it. sorry <laughs> a shit actor it's so weird but anyway have we got any uh, preamble for this or you would just want to dive straight into this uh, the synopses here
1: yeah well you know i mean Yeah, I just generally don't have a lot of Star Trek The Next Generation stuff going on in my (laughs) life. Usually, (laughs) I mean, as I mentioned in the other part of our show, I did get a Star Trek The Next Generation calendar from, like, 1992 or something like that. But that's about all I can say about that. (laughs) (laughs) You know? All I got to say about that. It's got 12 pictures in it.
2: All right, so and they're not even cool
1: like the old days when they were Star Date calendars. Remember that they were the Star Date calendars and had the Star oh, Date and yeah. the regular date on them. They don't even do that shit anymore. I don't think, Holy lazy nerds. bastards.
0: Next time on Star Trek: The Next Generation, it seems like we're trapped in here. Proceed with caution. A dangerous mission uncovers a secret alien passage. Welcome to. The where the crew become prisoners in a fictional casino that's all too real. Lock onto the landing party. Beam them up. We've got nothing to lock on to, sir. Now, they must gamble with their lives in a deadly game of survival on Star Trek The Next Generation.
2: So we're diving into the synopses once again from the uh, Star Trek The Next Generation companion. And uh, I just got to say, put out the word to uh, Larry Nemasek here, who is the author. Dude, you better get your shit together because I'm tired of your frequently lame and inaccurate synopses on this. <laughs> That's why I keep
1: reading them. <laughs> and I keep
2: saying that I'm going to. I'm gonna, you know, give you the boot and write my own, and then of course I promptly forget by the time the next uh, episode comes around. But uh, you come let's... crawling back to him every I do, time. Man. I just can't quit you, Larry Nemesek. So <laughs> I can't any... quit your Larry Nemesek. <laughs> so let's see. The Royale aired the week of March twenty seventh, nineteen eighty nine. Says puzzled by the recovery of a chunk. Of a 21st-century Earth spacecraft, Worf, Data, and Riker beam down into the middle of a lone structure they find on the nearest uninhabited planet. After passing through a revolving door set in an otherwise black void, they cannot escape from what appears to be a resort casino named the Hotel Royale. Bizarre, uh, bizarre scenes now unfold before them a cliched love triangle, gamblers who invite the Starfleet men to join them, and finally, the discovery of a 21st century American astronaut's remains in a hotel suite. Their data also finds a book entitled The Hotel Royale, and the pieces of the mystery begin to fall into place. By reading the astronaut's diary, the away team learns that aliens found his disabled ship and created a world in which he could live out the rest of his life. Unfortunately, they used a badly written pulp mystery as their model. (laughs) Poor bastard. (laughs) As the love triangle uh, resolves itself. It could have been like Fifty Shades
1: of Grey or Twilight, (laughs) you know? I mean, come on, you lucked out.
2: As the love triangle resolves itself yet again with a mobster gunning down a bellboy, the trap Shit, man, it could have been any number of Star Trek novels for that matter. (laughs) (laughs) the trap crewmen find a way uh, to break the time loop trap using the novel's ending in which foreign investors buy the royale data returns the craps table returns to the craps tables and breaks the bank (laughs) angering the casino characters but allowing the away team to exit for beam up yeah, that's that's actually that's not a bad. Yeah, that's fairly accurate. That's fairly accurate. Yeah, that's not too bad. It's a little, it's a little dry, but uh... <laughs> now I picture like, you know, Riker at
1: some point looking at it Data and going, "Don't you feel like you're in the middle of a bad Star Trek novel?" <laughs> so, what'd you think of this one? Well, like the episode that we did in the original series, it's a little bit recycled. Actually, my first thought when they um, beamed up the chunk of the old uh, American starship was, aw, poor V'ger, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> yeah, they found it, but there is a little bit of a, there's a little bit of that V'ger idea in it, whereas, you know, an alien race found V'ger and went like, aw, poor thing, and like fixed it all up with tragic results. And the same with this. They're like, oh, sorry, we killed all your friends, spaceman. Here, we'll send you to heaven, which is really hell, you know? (laughs) Right. We'll build this whole thing around you to, you know, to make up for it or or whatever to help you out. And, uh, And yeah, the guy lived 38 years in a bad novel.
2: I can't believe that you're the one that 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 made the uh, the connection with with V I never really made that connection, and you know you're you're right. It's uh, it's plain as day, and I never really thought about that. See, I always get uh, a vibe from this one. From basically, it's like all the holodeck stories too. It's like, well,
1: a, yeah, it's an a amalgam like of the
2: all the holodeck stories so far. As far like the opener to this one. You know, that part you're talking about with the with the spaceship and all that. Um, and then of course the part where they find the remains of, of the commander, or whatever he was. Which is a little
1: two thousand and one A Space Odyssey. I was just
2: gonna say, yeah, it reminds me of two thousand and one and I also get strangely a little bit of a Planet of the Apes vibe out mm-hmm. of it too. You know, mm-hmm. just with it being you know, the look of the astronaut and that sort of thing. But more than anything, um maybe it's a little more comedic than, than an episode of the twilight zone would have been, but it still gives me a twilight zone feel. Well, the the
1: revolving doors were very twilight zone.
2: Yeah. I I think the plot is very twilight zone in the fact of, you know, something's going on that, you know, is, is bigger than them and they've got to figure out what it is. I, I think the, the, basically the, the plot and the thing with the alien, the world, the alien created and, how they resolve all of it is very Twilight Zone. If it it had, like, a sinister twist ending to it, Mm -hmm. it would have totally been an episode of the Twilight Zone. Well, I was
1: half expecting, like, Jack Nicholson or a pair of, like, dead little girls to show up, too. There was a little (laughs) Overlook (laughs) hotel to it, too. Yeah. But you know what's funny is they use a trick at the beginning to get you going, where they bring Klingons into it. Remember, he's like... You know, there's a Klingon ship. You know, we you know in the captain's log at the beginning in the intro. You know, he's like, you know, we're around this planet and blah blah blah. And there was a Klingon ship around here, and we want to see what they're doing and all that. And he, that's completely never mentioned again. <laughs> that they were, you know, <laughs> I think they just threw the word Klingon in there to get you go. What what Klingon danger? What Klingon? Something dangerous is going on. And then. Led you into the main story. There was never any mention of the Klingons, and they, you know, or anything about that. They just dropped out completely as a story element. Weird.
2: See, I like this episode. I like this episode a lot. This has always been one of those ones that uh, it may not make like a best of you know list of mine or anything like that. But anytime this one's on, I generally will find myself you know sitting down and, and watching it because I, I enjoy. It. I enjoy it for its it's uh you know the the elements that remind me of you know like twilight zone in 2001 and all that i like the comedy bits of it because i think you know most all of them work really well
1: there's a lot of good good opportunities for data to yeah and at this point they're not capitalizing on data being out of his element they're showing a lot of data be starting to become confident right yeah with his uh human-y sort of stuff and you know he's He's actually enjoying himself, you know, interacting with all the colorful, badly drawn characters, broadly drawn caricatures, you know, at the around the
2: craps table or the, the blackjack table. I think one of the reasons, and this, just, this thought actually just occurred to me, one of the reasons I probably really like this one is you've got probably my three favorite characters are the characters that wind up down in the Royale. You know, because mm-hmm. you've got you know, I love Riker. The three I, most interesting characters. Yeah, he he's my favorite. I like uh, I like Data when he's doing stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And Brent Spiner really gets to shine in this one. You know, the, the baby needs a or what is it? Baby needs a new pair of shoes. Yeah, I love that part. And then Worf is always just a riot, you know. Although he doesn't really get to thump anybody or, or growl at anybody too much in this one, but he's still he's he's just always fun to watch. He gets so You've got my three favorite in this one, yeah. And you know, everybody that I don't really care for stays behind on the ship because the the weakest elements of this whole episode. I gotta say, if there's like a weakest link in this one, it's Picard, man. Picard sucks in this episode there's a moment that I literally laughed out loud when I was watching this, where they're, they're talking, you know, they finally reestablished communication. No, I think it's, it's either right before they lose contact or right after they reestablish contact. And Riker's basically like, yeah, we're all right. You know, everything's going all right. And what does Picard say? The stupidest shit you can ever say to some, well, proceed with caution. It's like, no shit, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, what do you think I'm gonna do? You know? And then from that moment on <laughs> Proceed every time with your eyes closed and your hands <laughs> held out in front of you. <laughs> every every time after that that there's an interaction between the guys on the planet and Picard, it's stupid questions and stupid answers on top of stupid questions and stupid answers. It, that just it's really bad. There's a moment where somebody says something about, oh, we're getting interference. And Picard turns to him and says straight face, well, what's causing it. And you just want the guy to go, well, if I fucking knew what was causing it, I'd probably do something to correct it. You know, it's like, what an ignorant question. And he does that through the whole episode. Somebody else says something to him about, you know, we got such and such problem captain. And you know, he's just, well, correct it. <laughs> it's like, is that all you can yes. do? Is off, I, offer up the completely obvious for solutions or, or stupid questions? It's really not Picard's moment to shine with this particular episode. He really comes off as, as extremely stupid in this one.
1: Well, and for once, Troy, in the context of the story, has a has a use. She's sort of the link, right? Yeah, to the planet without the communicators. But it also begged the question. It also reminded me. Oh yeah, can't her and Riker talk psychically, in in oh. each other's heads from that first episode. So why wasn't she just like? So what the hell's going on? You know, she was just picking up like he's amused now. Now he's feeling shut
2: in. You know, we're gonna have to keep an eye on that. Because you know what? You just hit upon something I'd completely forgotten about, and I think the writers... Well, they dropped it right after the first yeah, episode. Yeah, that's what I suspect. I think that moment you're talking about maybe the only time we ever get them communicating psychically. It was kind right. of midichlorian-like,
1: you know? Yeah, it just <laughs> sort of like, it was like, oh, yeah, whatever. Did um, we say
2: that? <laughs> there was a moment in this that... Uh, I, I'm not, I wasn't quite sure how to feel about it. and it's funny because even Picard picked up on it where they go into the Royale and right away, I mean almost instantly they realize that they can't talk to the ship anymore. Now the prudent thing to do, the thing that I would imagine is probably in the rule book is you get the hell out of there you and turn you right risk, around. yeah, you turn around and get the hell out. And Data says something to Riker about it. And Riker's basically like, nah, you know, we're all right. This you is know? interesting. Yeah, let's look around for a few minutes.
1: Well, they do that up on the bridge, too. They, she, Picard goes, you know, we lost communication. Why didn't they just go back to the the beam-up point? And she goes, right. well, I just I, I sense that he's amused rather than
2: than alarmed. And And Picard was like, oh, amused, okay, you know but there's, there's a moment in there on the ship where someone says, some, I'm, I'm trying to remember who says what exactly but it's basically, it's brought up that, you know Riker of all people would go back to the beam up point if he could, or you know, go back to the point to reestablish communications if he could and then they cut back to the planet and, and Riker's totally just goofing off so it really is just assuming that they can go back out the door whenever. they right. want. But it still kind of paints in that particular moment of the episode. It kind of paints Riker in a bad light because I, I mean, I don't know what they were going for. Exactly. Were they trying to show his Maverick side? Were they trying to show that he was confident? You know what? What exactly were they going for? But more than anything, it kind of makes him a, look a little bit inept because... Oh, they should have been all kinds of
1: paranoid. I would have been freaked out paranoid. I would have been like, wait, space is infinitely huge and we're on the edges of that, of where space is mapped, and we got all this Earth shit going going on around with us. Somebody's fucking with our heads. You know, I would have been like, Q, Q, show yourself or something, you know, at, at some point. I would have been like, you know, what the hell is this? You know, I would have been like, it would have it's extremely suspicious. Right. You know, it's just like wait, we're on this random planet that's you know, they made a big point of how hostile and you know, non-conducive to life the atmosphere you know was and that, that it was indeed just like this random planet. And all of a sudden it's all it's all you know, 20th century earth. Again, I mean... <laughs>
2: you you know me, and you know that you know. While I you know I won't ever hesitate to you know in a friendly way take the piss out of Star Trek. At the end of the day, I love my Star Trek, and I don't offer up too many you know. It's this, well, this is
1: in the grand tradition of all the Earth stuff in Star Trek, right. anyway. So you know I'm not really griping about it, but, I, but my I, reaction I... would have been different if I were them.
2: I will only in the aspect of I think you can only get away with this legitimately so many times Mm -hmm. before it becomes exactly what you said. You know, space is infinite. And I think that probably the biggest and worst examples of this was when we got into Voyager, you know, because in Voyager, they are literally thrown completely across to the other side of the galaxy somewhere where man literally has never been before and they still managed to run into earth scenarios i mean i'm not talking like an earth-like planet you know the whole um what was that theory that spock threw out there at one part what well, like, was it the par- parallel de- development you yes. know yes Basically every planet captain is going to go through its roam phase or whatever the hell, you know I mean? We bought that because it was original series and they were on a budget. Now, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's years later. Episodes are costing you on a million and a half an episode, things like that. You're completely on the other side of the galaxy. You can do basically anything that your mind can conjure yet. You're still doing the gangster planet. You know, how does that work? Exactly. And I think that was the show that audiences legitimately would be the most unforgiving about. Because by that point, you know, you you, you just you can't fall back on that crutch anymore. You know, you, you should not have anything remotely human or Earth like going on when you're on the other side of the galaxy.
1: Yeah, it, it would be like being in Nepal and, like, running into your neighbor, you know, right. from back right. home. Exactly. What are you doing here? I don't know. I just randomly decided to come to Nepal, you know? Right. It, 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 yeah, it's just... Yeah, it's just... It's, uh, there's only so... In infinite space, there's only so much Earth you can spread around.
2: Exactly. And
1: I would It, it, it would have been more you know plausible if it was some sort of like sentient life form that you know they and they did this in, origi- in original track and in next generation where somebody you know picked up on your brain waves and made something out of that you know and it is sort of that somewhat but it's on a more literal basis it's you know aliens found a book and decided right. to and it also just begs the question of this alien race is so advanced that they can make this happen, but they don't, they're not so advanced that they can't figure out what a piece of fiction is. <laughs> right. You know, what, what, a, what a book is and say, Oh, you know, and, and that was the only book on the, on board the, you know, that was the most important looking book on board the ship or something. You know, it's, it just, it's just such an advanced life form would, you know, maybe be a little more nuanced in the world they created for, you know, the guy they felt... Or, or maybe they didn't like him. Maybe they were like, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find the cheesiest book in there and, you know, and uh, and put him in that for the rest of his life and go about our business. Fuck him.
2: Well, you know, th- this episode I don't want to say suffers, but it, it has basically the same... Uh critical flaw that say uh, a piece of the action would have is that you can only learn so much of this world through the book you know how did the aliens know how things looked from a prose novel you right. know how, how the machines sounded you know how what is a you know how does a you a, a, um, damn it what are those things a slot machine you know how does a slot machine actually look and function you know right there, you because the that- book
1: would have would have assumed that people knew what a slot machine and that you know you would have been like the women were the old ladies are pulling on the arms of the slot machine you know right. compulsively or something well yeah there's a there's a million ways you could picture a slot machine from that description yeah you're exactly right yeah all the there's a lot of details you know yeah. I mean it was very it was very detailed, you know, the you know, the hotel room down to the halls of the hotel room and stuff. So yeah, it it, it it's just that that it's like a very advanced race yet really stupid. But that's I don't know, <laughs> that's plausible because that's kind of like what we experience on earth every day.
0: <laughs> you know, we could
1: we can fly across the country in a matter of hours, but yeah, but we're dumb as rocks, really. <laughs> Just bother to watch TV for ten minutes. <laughs> Read the paper.
2: That's about all I got on this one. About the only other thing is uh, the the concierge. Um, I don't know the actor's name because I'm too lazy to look it up. But uh, that guy would go on to play uh, Bernard on uh, on Lost. One of the one of the slightly more interesting kind of background guys on that show, but that's about all I got. Yeah, but ultimately, it. what did you think about this, though? I mean, did you, did you oh, like? it? I enjoyed it. it. Yeah,
1: right. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, because I mean, ultimately, I'm gonna always, you know, I there, there's episodes of Star Trek where you go, okay, just suspend disbelief and enjoy this for what it is. You know, getting to see to see the characters in in their, and this one's. Yeah, it started out again like, um, with Picard pondering a puzzle, you know, right, a a quandary, which made me think. I'm like, am I watching an episode? Did we already watch this one? Because it was just a couple episodes back. It started out with with Picard and Riker talking about some historical mystery that that Picard would often muse about, and then went into a totally unrelated story. And in this one, there was at least some relation where it was like, oh, a puzzle, and then like, ah, a puzzle that has to be solved here too. But uh, it was it was very enjoyable. It was, uh, you know, not not going in the pantheon of like my favorite episodes, but it was a, it was a fun, good-natured, it was a romp episode, basically.
2: I forgot that this one uh, started out with that math problem thing that you were talking about. Because something I was reading said that not long after this episode, um, they actually did... Somebody somewhere actually solved that thing, so that's actually so that a dated makes, part of that the episode. That makes Picard
1: man. even stupider than, <laughs> <laughs> than we first supposed in this episode. <laughs>
2: Riker was sitting there
1: going, Should I tell him that they solved that in the 21st, in the early 21st century? Uh, now nah, just yeah, I'll let him work on it. He seems to enjoy it.
2: you like, Whatever, Captain. Don't you have more important shit to be doing? Uh,
1: apparently not. <laughs> All right, so moving on, we're going to the, the 13th episode of, of this one, Time
0: Squared. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation, Captain Picard's identical twin from the future traps the Enterprise in a deadly time warp. The Enterprise was destroyed three hours 19 minutes from now. We can't escape. We can't go forward. No. Now can they stop their own destruction? I can't hold it any longer. It's a desperate fight to escape total annihilation on Star Trek, The Next Generation. Hmm.
2: Okay, so this one aired the week of uh, April 3rd, 1989. Let me see. This would have been about a week before, what, my 21st birthday. Wow. That was a long-ass time ago. Big big spread
1: between that and the original series episode when you were, what, (laughs) six months old? Six months old, yeah.
2: Let me think. What would I have been doing right around the time of my twenty-first birthday?
1: Uh, from, well, from, from, breast,
2: from breastfeeding to old enough to drink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. So in a bata- uh, yeah bizarre, bizarre in a bizarre, bizarre in a bizarre turn of events, Picard is confronted by his own double from six hours into the future. I'm the Auto- Luke
0: Picard. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it would have been a better episode if that's the way they had gone with this. Out of phase and disoriented after being recovered from a shuttlecraft that has recorded Beaten the enter- and sobbing, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that has recorded the Enterprise's destruction in a vast energy whirlpool. The double Picard, dazed in a nightmare world, cannot communicate what happened, and the real-time Picard. That's what they ought to call him all the time. Real-time Picard. (laughs) The real-time Picard begins to fear that the ship will become trapped in a time loop. When the energy whirlpool whirlpool appears on schedule and the Enterprise cannot escape, Picard almost becomes bogged down with indecision and second-guessing. Energy bolts attacking Picard lead Troy to suggest it is he the whirlpool wants But when his double tries to leave the ship, Picard decides his departure again will only perpetrate the cycle. After stopping himself, quote-unquote himself, with a phaser stun. See, I don't think he phaser stuns him. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, He orders a full speed course directly into the vortex. After one more moment of self-doubt, the double Picard, his craft, and the whirlpool all vanish, leaving Enterprise alone and on course, just as before. That's... I don't know what to think of that synopsis, because parts of it, I actually think, make a little bit more sense out of an episode that I think doesn't make (laughs) a a hell hell of a lot of sense.
1: Yeah,
2: And then there's other parts of it that I'm like, I don't know, but... uh, Again, <clears throat> I'm curious, what did you think of this one? Well, I, I was making a joke
1: that it was like the evil Jean-Luc Picard, but it was more
2: like Jean-Luc Van Gelder than anything else. <laughs> Again, a better story concept. <laughs> I like that pitch
1: better. Um, um, I thought uh, this was kind of a yawner, to tell you the truth, because it was a, sort of like... It was almost about Jean-Luc Picard trusting, can he trust himself, you know? How much does he trust himself? I like, I like the little, like, at the beginning where the, where they're reviewing what happened, and it's like, oh, look, look, Captain, the ship is about to blow up, and hey, you just happen to be in the shuttlecraft when that happens, you know, and every, and, Everybody's just sort of like, "Yeah, how convenient is that, Captain?" You know, and he's and he's obviously
2: kind of shaken by that, and like, I love the moment where they're kind of saying that. Yeah, they're, they're all kind, of kind of looking going at like, him askance yeah. going, "What the hell were you doing yeah. in this shuttlecraft while we all die?" <laughs> hey, there's a scene where we all blow up, <laughs>
1: and hmm. Worf
2: is the one that that goes. Well, you would never do that you would never leave the bridge of the ship in an emergency and there's a moment would where you are asshole <laughs> where he goes well yeah well yeah absolutely mister you are at your and you're dead right mr wharf and i'm thinking <laughs> and he's like yeah great cover your ass dude cover Yeah, your ass. exactly <laughs> um man i don't even know where to begin with this one um I have to say it's not as bad as I remember because I almost almost skipped rewatching this one just because I was I put this off to the last minute rewatching this because I really was dreading this one because I just remembered it being like a horrible episode and it's not near as bad as I remember it. it doesn't make any sense. But, I mean, it's got good effects. The acting's not bad. It's just the story's just kind of like... Uh, it's one of those endings where you just walk away going, what the... Huh? It's this one of those ones
1: like... where, you know, I mean, you, the the comparison, you know, there's people who compare and contrast Jean-Luc Picard and Captain Kirk. But, you know, you can also compare and contrast William Shatner and... Um, and Patrick Stewart. Right. And Patrick Stewart's a much more restrained and subtle actor. And here it's to his detriment because he should be gibbering and squawking on that table, man. (laughs) I mean, he looks like he's seriously screwed up because his eye, you know, it's kind of freaky the way his eyeballs are working and how he looks just kind of messed up and out of phase. Right. So it's an effective acting job, but I want to see him, but they keep describing him as being, you know, in his own hellish nightmare. Well, I'm sorry, when you're in Star Trek and you're in an internal hellish nightmare, for one, from the top of your head down to like halfway down your chest. You should be sweating about a gallon of sweat per minute, right? Your skin should be colored bright red or brighter, whatever color your skin is. It should be flushed out. Uh, you should be sweating, and you should just be, you know, van geldering it up, you know, just like, you know, he doesn't recognize you, Captain. <laughs> <behind> you. Something, <laughs> something, man. Give me something, Patrick Stewart.
2: He's you, only retarded. Uh, You know what this is? Oh,
1: I number two.
0: This...
2: This is the Lazarus episode for Next Gen. That's what this is. 'Cause that one doesn't make a lick of friggin' sense either right. at the end of the day. So that I wish at the end they would have like wrestled each other in a room <laughs> full of flashing neon lights. <laughs> that would have been awesome. See, I, I wanted the two to fight, and at the end of the day, they don't really fight, it's just our Picard ends up it's, like it's neat. the other and I'm like, dude,
1: what the hell? Last I checked that I I mean Okay, whatever happened there, you know, okay, it said in the book, and maybe that was wishful thinking on their part, you know, that he stuns him. He does not stun him, man. Because when the doctor goes over and looks at him and then looks over, she's like... And at the same time, they should also be thinking, which Picard is that exactly? Right. You know, which Picard do we have in charge now? That That issue never comes up. But, um... Yeah, no, it's pretty obvious that he killed him dead. And uh, last I checked, murders still frowned upon at the very least in (laughs) the Star Star Trek uh, universe. And technically, it might have been suicide. (laughs) But I think that's illegal, too. Right. So either way, you cut it, you know... There should be some consequences for that, don't you think? Even though, you know, the fate of the Enterprise arguably was at stake. I don't know. Maybe by then, you know, they, they were like, well, it was your decision to take your own life, sort of. <laughs> so I don't know. But, you know, it it was one of those things that it was like, okay, this could resolve and end up making total sense. Because of stuff we don't know now that could resolve like what that creature that was sucking them in was and what it wanted. But it doesn't even bother to, you know, it, there's some vague thing that it, shoot, it shoots beams like Viger into, like, once again, another V y sort of thing. It shoots beams into the ship and it wants Picard and it's intelligent, but... I was sort of hoping that that would somehow fit into the story to make it make sense. Instead of just like, well, the the reason that they didn't blow up was because Picard broke the time loop. Well, guess what? That doesn't mean shit. If you break the time... You can break the time loop and the Enterprise can still blow up. Right. Only the, you know... Only this time Picard will be in it. And okay, so... You know, whatever he doesn't abandon his ship, but that just just breaking the loop doesn't preclude you know blowing up the ship or you know or whatever happened to the ship in, in that so and they never really tell what happened to the ship
2: no that's that. the, that's the worst part of it is that you know he goes, you know, rather than fight this thing, let's just give in and go straight to the center and you know, and they do. And they snap out of it, and that's it. They just fly away, and it's like, okay, what was the beam thing about? What did the thing right. want Picard for? What the hell was this episode about? And you Some, don't get something any could of happen that. to make make it all make sense. And
1: sometimes it's good to not have make, things make sense and just be like, all right, but but not in this case because in this case it was make it made sense to them in the in the universe in the story in the context of all of it they figured out you know picard figured out what was going on and figured out a way to correct it but they don't communicate to us <laughs> what how you know it or if they did they didn't do it very effectively <laughs> so so either that or just we're too dense to pick it up, but I don't know. We've been picking up on everything else up to this point. So they so with this kind of story, they sort of it sort of moves towards the explanation being an integral part of it to unlocking the the, the puzzle. Like, you couldn't have gotten away with the last episode, The Royale, without the explanation was the whole thing. That was the right. Twilight Zone twist to it, was like, oh, this is just a tribute to an old astronaut, you know? Right. And uh, and I'm surprised they didn't take his body out and give him a, a proper burial or whatever. That's a good point, yeah. Um, But, you know, and this one was like that one. It needed something at the end that locked it all together, you know? like something like uh if you want to pull a time travel movie that was sort of like that like 12 monkeys you know or, or almost any any time travel movie I think you know, what it needs is just being
2: any good the name of the episode was Times Squared which always makes me think of that episode of the hulk so I think the way that they should have ended this episode was with the Hulk running down Times Square at the end of it. I think that that would have been the perfect... I mean, it's already a kind of like a what-the-hell episode, so why not throw that in to really leave you a guess what the <laughs> hell that was all about? But um, I think the problem with this one is that, uh, according to the compendium here, I was just looking, originally this was supposed to somehow segue into um q who which was the first um borg episode but also you know it was another q episode i so i think ultimately it was supposed to have something to do with q maybe q was the thing at the center of the whirlpool so with that little tidbit of knowledge it kind of makes me wonder if maybe this one simply suffers from a rewrite that took away the original Uh ending and they just never really replaced it with anything You know what I mean? Instead of flying into the center of the whirlpool and then, you know, encountering Q and going into a whole nother episode, they fly into it. They get out of the anomaly, they fly on and you're just left with what we're left with going, what? huh? The hell was that all about? So, but it's interesting that, you know, they, they went in a different direction with the end of the episode with it, not going into something else because the, the beginning of this episode actually sets something up too, because, you can definitely feel a little bit of, uh, of uh, world building going on here at the beginning of this one because there's the whole foreshadowing where Riker's talking about his father and all that. Right, and that's right. going to pay off next episode because the very next episode is the one where, uh, where Riker's father comes on the ship and all that. Although uh, there's going to be a weird little continuity thing that I'll point out next time around regarding um, the Doctor. That there was an opportunity here for her to reveal something that is just totally not touched upon yet. It's actually a big plot element in the next episode, and it just—it's always one of those little head scratches for me. It's like, why didn't she mention that last time? But that we'll little get... scene was weird. I thought Riker was acting—you know,
1: just sort of dropping it. You know, it's not unlike him to just sort of drop his story like that. Exposition, what? Right. Like. Yeah. That's that's because kind of, he's is sort of like, hey, here's the story of my life, you know? Right. His whole life is like, he's you know, he's very Kirk-like. He's writing a story as he goes along. But the whole weird thing with the eggs being crappy or bad, either bad or like the kind of eggs that he got were... It was almost like he was not upset by that at all, it seemed like. He was kind of bemused that he just served crappy food. <laughs> Maybe he was poisoning friends. all of them or something. And, yeah, as a cook, as a cook, that's, like, mortifying. Is like if you if all of a sudden everybody's biting into your food and going, like, hurk, hurk, you know, instead of, like, mm, this is good. Well, Worf liked him. Wharf liked him, but he's, you know, he's wharf man. He'd probably eat, like, the fucking ass out of a rotten, you know, out of a <laughs> dead dog by the side of the road. And
2: now I got a happy. question
1: for you. You're a chef, right? Yeah. Did that look like any friggin' omelette you've ever seen? That looked like the shitty, what, they don't have Teflon in the future? Those look like scrambled eggs to me, not an omelette. A, that was definitely not an omelette. That And B, it was really shitty scrambled eggs that were getting burned onto the bottom of a hot plate, you know. <laughs> And he's like, here, he, he, yeah, it was, uh, and and uh, they're like, ooh, look, a practiced hand. Is this like, uh, yeah? At that point, it looked like he was making crepes. He looked like right, he was putting yeah. batter on a on a thing, and then he just starts like mixing it up on. Yeah, an omelet's done in a round pan that's greased all up, so it slides. You you know, you let it sort of sit there and you sort of flip it over onto into its signature taco shape when it starts when it's still a little runny you know and you sort of finish it off from there but yeah no he was making like like bachelor style you know scrambled eggs you know yeah <laughs> and it just you know, just the way he was sort of bemused and 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 like laughing is every and and he makes some crack like, oh, it's you know, you have to have good ingredients. You know, you could be a good cook, but it's you know the ingredients that you start with that that count or something, which doesn't really have anything to do with, you know, you you'd think that would be foreshadowing for something that was going to happen in the episode or something, but it doesn't right. really. And it, it sort of—I don't of know—I
2: was, was left feeling pretty scrambled by the end of this one.
1: Yeah, I guess. I guess it was sort of a description of uh, Jean Luc Van Gelder's brain, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, it was sort of like a weak version of the, you know, the poker game, right? From yeah, a few, few from a few months back. So, yeah. All in all not a very strong episode and it's funny I was just like you know, I I I didn't have any I had no idea whether it was good or bad but I watched it like I literally finished watching it like 10 minutes before we got on the phone <laughs> and, like eating my dinner like alright I gotta get through this one cause I watched about the first half of it and I was like ah it, it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere and it didn't <laughs> And it had a little bit of rehash to it, you know? There was already that time loop one with data, with two datas, you know?
2: There's this idea is revisited again, believe it or not, and uh, explored in far better oh, ways is this the one with, ways. Is this huh? the one with like, there's a whole bunch of enterprises all pop up? Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, there's that one. The one I was thinking of is an episode called uh, cause and effects where the enterprise just keeps blowing up like every single commercial break in that episode.
1: I've seen that the one enterprise yes.
2: is, is being destroyed. That's a great episode in, in essence exploring basically the same thing here. We're stuck in a loop. How the hell do we get out of it? We know mm. we're in it. We don't know how to get out of it. Yeah. That's a really good episode. And it's it's basically taking this one and doing it the right way. Or, you know, at least in a more entertaining and, and you know, in a, in a way to where at the end of the episode, you're like, OK, I understood that. You know, I knew what yes. that was about. You know, <laughs> um, I don't really I just two other quick notes. Um, I think this is the first time or at least the first time I really noticed it um, with the shuttle bay and the people actually working in the shuttle bay. And I realize that there are probably things that you and I do every single day that a person, uh, you know, 200 years ago would look at and go, there's no friggin' way I would do that. That's dangerous. That's just insane. You know? I thought the same thing. And I'm looking at those guys standing there in that open shuttle bay with nothing between them and the vacuum of space, but that shitty blue light. And I'm thinking, you know, this ship... I don't care how brand spanking new it is. Shit goes down with his ship every like forty five minutes. minutes. You know, yeah. there's no way I had want to stand there with that nothing but that light between me and sheer you know certain Vacuum. death. You yeah. know, <laughs> no I, way. I had I had this picture
1: of like okay, they're pulling in the 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 ship, and okay, you have your your your, your you know your beam there that keeps space out and keeps your atmosphere in and then you know somehow either you pull the the shuttlecraft in and so you could have people still on i i cuz i think in the original Star Trek they just cleared the shuttlecraft bay <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> and brought and brought it in and then put some atmosphere back in there and you could go back out but uh in this one they keep some sort of you know beam that surrounds the ship but I was thinking what if just one little part of that failed and there was a hole there and I was picturing the people, like, going, wah! and getting sucked up into <laughs> right. a little hole and then just watching basically, like, a stream of, of, you know, basically, like, getting their insides sucked out through a little hole yes. into space and just becoming, like, a, a, a Slurpee in space. <laughs> and, you know, just because of some little glitch in it, you know? So... Yeah, yeah, that would be a shitty job. I th- I was thinking similar things, like,
2: yeah. yeah. there's no way. No, you couldn't pay me enough to do that. And uh, probably the biggest and most obvious, like, okay, come on, moment for me in this whole one is O'Brien. Now, I like Colmini. I like, you know, the character of O'Brien that he plays in this one. But there's a moment at the very end of the episode where the doctor comes to the shuttle bay. Basically, she's there to pronounce the other Picard dead. What the hell is O'Brien doing there? Nobody called him. The captain or somebody had already cleared the hangar bay, so there was no order to, like, all right, reman your station or anything. He's a friggin' transporter chief... He has no cause to be there. He was Yet, there to be a reaction shot when he, she sees exactly, the dead body. It was that, and also he's the sole witness when Picard and the shuttle disappear. Oh. So he was there simply to see that and report back to the bridge about it. Like, oh yeah, yes. but hey, by, the, by the way, Captain, uh, the other Picard disappeared. Without him, nobody would have seen it. But uh, come on, it's it's so obvious. I mean, it's they made no attempt to explain his Yeah, they just didn't want to pay another
1: extra to be,
2: you know, Ensign Jagoff to stand <laughs> <Right>. there. And... <laughs> it's it was. I mean, I watched that and was just like, "Wow, really? Uh, this this is what you're gonna go with?" Okay. Because it is. It's so <laughs> obvious that he's just there. You know. For, for no discernible reason whatsoever. But, I don't know. Star Trek gets away with this sort of thing a lot, I think. It's TV. You gotta economize, you know? Right. And hey, uh, you
1: know, we've wanted to see more of O'Brien anyway, so there you go. This
2: is true. But that's all I got. What are, You got anything else on these? Not Really? Um, I,
1: uh, huh? Yeah, a, a kind of rehashy couple of of episodes. One that worked and one that really didn't.
2: <laughs> right. But I will say that, you know, again, I, I thought the effects were really good. That Wh- whirlpool thing that opens up under the Enterprise is actually pretty neat. Yes. Uh, it was a pretty yes. good special effect. Uh, when it was outside, when it actually got pulled inside and then it looked like it was flying through, you know, the, the tunnel from poultry, you know, the cotton candy. Tunnel. <laughs> right, right. That looked kind of shit, but when it was outside, it looked actually pretty cool. That was that I like that part of it because it, it looked like it was being flushed down the toilet. Yeah. It's a dead. Um, next time around, I am really excited for next time because we've got two really solid, solid episodes. And then even the episode beyond that, but I'll get to that in a moment. But next time around, we've got The Icarus Factor. I don't know if you've ever seen this one. I love this episode. It's uh, it's definitely one of my favorites. Um, Riker's dad comes on the Enterprise and uh, they don't get along so great. That's a really solid episode. And the other one, I haven't seen it in a long time. I'm hoping that it still holds up, but the last time I saw it, uh, I enjoyed it a whole lot, although I will have a giant nitpick if that, you know, if that's not a complete, uh, contradiction of terms, I have huge, huge, huge issues with the basic premise of this episode, but regardless, I still enjoy the episode. It's called pen pals and, uh, I don't know if i should tease what it's about or not so i'll just leave that alone but those are the two episodes we'll be doing uh icarus factor and pen pals and then looking beyond that (laughs) the one the episode beyond that should be a lot of fun because we've got one of the absolute best episodes of uh, star trek the next generation q who which introduces the borg for the very first time and then another one called uh oh you know what i actually they're both really good the next one is samaritan snare i'm sorry i was looking in the wrong order here samaritan snare which is a really good and fun episode the one i was thinking of is the one after that called up the long ladder that that one's a piece of shit (laughs) i gotta be honest is not like taking one up the long ladder yeah pretty much yeah that one's a pretty crappy episode but uh but yeah, we've got some really good ones coming down the pike, but uh at least at least the next two episodes we are going to enjoy very much. And uh, you know what? We're gonna get no end of mileage out of the uh the season finale episode this time around because I was just looking ahead. I totally forgot. You know what the name of that episode is? What? Shades of Grey. Oh god. <laughs> we should have a field day with that episode. <laughs> But yeah, uh so join us next time we meet Riker's dad and uh and Data gets a little special friend. Oh, awesome. I think
1: I know what that means. <laughs> and I hear Data uses his fully functional aspect on his little friend. <laughs>
2: I hope not, that would be creepy.
1: Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> Do you ever find yourself going to Amazon.com and uh, buying some record or movie or some stupid thing that Two True Freaks have been talking about so that you can catch up on it or you've been reminded of it or something? Well, now, how about this? Instead of going to Amazon.com, go to TwoTrueFreaks.Libsyn.com and follow our link to Amazon.com. When you do that, if you buy something over at Amazon, we get a little cut out of it which is awesome because we love money and it won't cost you a thing.
2: You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message if any you'd like us to read on your behalf and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener it's that easy and there is no minimum donation be a show sponsor today Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com
1: Thanks for listening. And
2: join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks.
0: And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids, good night. We're off. Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.